Let's turn to the word of the Lord tonight. I've got a message I want to share with you. And it's called the economy of blessing. The economy of blessing. There is an economy, a standard uh, to the blessings of the Lord that flow from heaven to earth, one to another, and back to God. And this is the system or the economy of blessings that flow. We used to sing a song when I was growing up, to, him all, to whom all blessings flow. And uh, it is unto God who causes all blessings to flow in our lives. I like this statement uh, that Winston Churchill made. He said this, Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I'm going to be speaking to you tonight about giving, but please relax. Don't freak out. I'm not talking about you tithing to the church or giving your finances to the church. That's part of blessing, but I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to tell you that we're in big trouble. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're collapsing. No, everybody's been quite faithful at the church. I appreciate that. I appreciate your heart for Christ's community. You're giving to Christ's community. That's great. But how many of you know that there's more to the issue of giving and the, the uh, economy of blessing than money? Believe it or not, God's more concerned with giving and sharing our lives with each other. Money's part of that, sure, but I want to share with you the flow of blessing and how it can happen in your life and how it can increase. So I'm going, to, I'm going to take you through this, and I'm going to take you, our text tonight is found in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. So our example for this comes from chapter 8. Let me read to you the beginning of this. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church about giving. He was collecting a love offering for the, the people in Jerusalem because there was a famine and he was trying to raise finance for the Christians in Jerusalem so that they could survive. And so he was asking the different churches that he was visiting to prepare an offering that he could take back to Jerusalem to the Christians there so that they could survive in that time of famine. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he says, man, i got to tell you guys this. This is amazing. He said, I just got back from Macedonia and that congregation blew me away in their giving. But listen to what he says about it. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction... See, they're, they're being afflicted. He called it a test, a trial of affliction. So these churches in Macedonia, they're not wealthy. They're not well off. They're struggling. They're hurt. They're in a trial right now. And he said in the midst of their affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now, how does that work in economics? See, the economics of the kingdom is much different than the economics of man. Yes. You know, on the earth we've got the gold standard and the, the note standard and all this kind of 
goofy standards, but in the kingdom there's one standard. There was one price paid for all things. It was the blood of Jesus, and everything is bought and paid through that blood. Everything else is the grace of God given. He says that this Macedonian church was so much in affliction, but they were so joyful. Now, how do you get happy in a tough time? Because your joy doesn't depend on your surroundings. That's the equation. Where does your joy come from? There's an affliction that's taking place in the land around you, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they, he, he went on to say, in their extreme poverty, they had abounding joy. Come on. See, joy is greater than wealth. How many of you know stories of movie stars and athletes that make millions and millions and millions, and they're very unhappy people? Well, just plain folks like us, we're afflicted, and maybe you've got extreme poverty, I don't know, but I've got the joy of the Lord. He said that the combination of their affliction, their extreme poverty, but the joy of God compensated to where it overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now, I don't, it, see, that doesn't depend on how much money was given. You know, maybe, maybe they mustered up two bucks. I don't know. But that two bucks was their next meal. Just like Jesus, when he brought the disciples to the temple, and all the Pharisees were paying their cash off their tithes and all that they collected. And then some little old widow came up, and she had two little mites. And I mean, you're talking tiny little coins. And she gave it all. And Jesus knew that was her last two pennies she had. See, it was the wealth of generosity out of an abundant joy that gave. That's all God's asking for. You know, some people say, boy, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give that money to the church. Oh, boy, what the church could do. I'll tell you what, I would rather have a poor church filled with joyful people than a million bucks on the altar. I would. Anytime, because money can't buy you love. <laughs> Money can't get you what you need. So out of the extreme poverty, a joy welled up and it overflowed in a wealth of generosity. So this goes beyond money because maybe I don't have enough money to give to somebody, but out of my joy and wealth of generosity, I'll give them my coat. I'll give them a belt. I don't know. I'll give them a ride somewhere. There's some way my generosity can be poured into somebody. That comes from the heart. And my heart is filled with the love of God. So I'm a wealthy man in the well-being of heaven. That's what my supply comes from. So that's what Paul's talking about, the blessing. That's the example I want to get, uh, share with you. And so he's bringing this relief to the saints. Now, let me show you what the principle is. The principle is, is an inner joy not based on the affliction or the poverty overflowing in a wealth of generosity. So let's go to chapter 9 now, verse 6, and Paul's going to tell us about the principle in the economy of blessing, how to bless. He says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That's the first principle. Right? You stingy with, your, with whatever you have, you will not receive back. This is common sense. Right? If, 
if I don't speak to other people, they won't speak to me. If I'm not friendly towards other people, they won't be friendly towards me. Come on, this is just real simple. It's called the law of reciprocity. What you pour in, it will grow and produce fruit that will come back and bless you. Principle number one for the economy of blessing. If you want to be blessed, you must be a blessing. Pour in. And again, from that first principle I told you, it doesn't have to be cash. And you may not have much of anything, but it's a wealth of generosity. That's the key. A wealth of generosity. Out of my wealth of generosity, if I help my neighbors regularly, if they know that come to me, if they have a problem and I'm there for you, guess what happens when i got a problem? They'll be there for me. Now, not everybody follows through. That's true. You've had that happen. But you know what? My reward is in Christ. I have given Christ out. So the first principle in blessing is the more you bless, you will be blessed. It, it begins a motion in your life, an overflow of generosity. We have got to learn to be a generous people. Now he goes on and he talks about the second principle. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so part of the second principle is giving from your heart. That's what it means by a wealth of generosity. Your wellspring is in your heart. And so I'm able to bless someone because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. I will speak well to people. I will compliment them. I will encourage them. I will strengthen them because my heart's being filled with the encouragement of God and the blessings of God. As I stay in the Word and in prayer, God is pouring into me. So I have an abundance that I can pour out to somebody else. Now, he says, you need to decide it in your heart. So the first place of all blessing flows from the heart. Remember what he said about that Macedonian church. They were afflicted and in extreme poverty, but out of joy, it worked, right? An amazing and abundant generosity, a wealth of generosity. So he says this, you shouldn't do it reluctantly, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can help you. Uh, um, I don't want here you go. Here's 50 cents. I'll help you, but I've only got a few minutes. I've got to get back to my TV program. No, I taped it so I could watch it anytime I want, but right now is when I want to watch it. That's not, you know, that's, that's not really, that's reluctant. I, I think we've all been reluctant in giving, haven't we? I mean, many of you have been in need all your life, and then God's asking you to give up some more. It's like, I don't think so, God. I'm a little reluctant. But find ways to bless. Don't be reluctant. Or under compulsion. Now, under compulsion is what most churches do when they take the offering. 13 scriptures on the screen. We'll pray till you're tired of my prayer. We'll take an offering, tell you we need more, and so forth. I understand 
finances, churches, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? I don't harp on giving here because what I would rather do is feed you well because when you get a good meal, you're happy to give. So I'm practicing the law of blessing. If I can bless you with my studies, if I can bless you with a deep word, if I can pour into what I'm going to feed to you, then the blessing has blessed this church and we're doing okay. We're doing well. So it's not under compulsion. All right, I want you to be generous. I want you to bless someone, and I want you to do it now, because if you don't, you're going to hell. I want you to bless people with the love of Jesus, because if you don't, Jesus is going to be angry with you. He'll take his covering off you, and you'll get in a car accident. Man, I've heard all sorts of stupid stuff. God doesn't need to bring compulsion to your life. What he's going to do is he's going to cause joy and he's going to cause generosity to flow out of you because it's out of his heart that he wants it to flow out of you. So not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. Listen to what Jesus did as he faced the cross. It says, and yet for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He gave his life because in that poverty and affliction of being put to death, there was a joy in his heart set before him to bless all nations and all people with salvation. That's a blessing. God loves a cheerful giver. You've heard this a million times. The word cheerful in the Greek is hilaros. It's the word we get hilarious from. God loves a hilarious giver. Amen. He just loves someone who's like, yeah, you need it. I've got it here. I don't have it. I'll go find it. Let me help you. Let me do something. People are blown away with cheerful givers. They love that. You need help? I'm here. You need help? Man, I am ready and available. How about you? Whenever you go to the store, whenever you go outside, are you ready and available to help anybody at all times? That's agape love. It's a sacrificial love. Help all people, giving them everything. And that is a generous, cheerful giver. You're not reluctant. You're not under compulsion. Oh, if I do this, I'll get more points in heaven. You know, I mean, a lot of people think they're storing up. Yeah, we're storing up treasures in heaven. But, I mean, some people have a calculator for it. (laughs) You know? You know, oh, listen, I helped that lady twice across the street. That should, that's good for something. And then they think it's going to build a mansion. All my good works are going to build a mansion. How many of you know that stuff, right? I got a mansion up over the, hill, the hilltop, right, right? And there's a, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So all my good works are like lumber and nails. So <laughs> I better build a really good house up there. That's foolishness, absolute foolishness. Because anything that we store up in heaven as a treasure, when we get there, we will turn it back over to Christ who deserves it all. And any blessing we get isn't because we paid for it with a good work. Any blessing we get is because Jesus' death on the cross has supplied all blessings to us. That's the key. Now, God loves a cheerful giver. So first principle in this economics of blessing is what you sow, you reap. As much as you put in, you'll get back. So start making this flow. Start planting seed so that you'll get fruit back. Second principle, don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it under compulsion, but cheerfully. Out of joy, welling up, then give generously. And here's the third principle. 
And he says this. After God loves a cheerful giver, he says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. How much grace? All of it. How much grace does God have? How, grace is gifting. How much free gifting, how much favor will God pour out on you? God, if you will, begin to move and flow in blessing. God's able to make all grace trickle down to you. No. It says abound to you. God loves a cheerful giver. He can't wait. Can I, can I tell you why God loves a cheerful giver? Because God is a cheerful giver. Do you think God gives to us reluctantly? Come on, Father, give him a blessing. No. Come on, I died for him. They're my child. No. Come on, give him a blessing. All right. Fine. I'll give him a day off of work. Come on, Father. I mean, is that really Father's heart? God so loved the world, he gave the Son. And how much more, even giving us the Son, will he give us all things? So he's going to make grace abound. And God's able to make all grace abound to you. So having all that you need at all times, you will abound in every good work. So let me put it to you this way. Whatever somebody needs, you may not have it, but you can give them something that will bless them. You abound in every good work. God abounds in every good work. So be available. Be available for giving a wealth of generosity, whatever that is. You know what? When it all comes down to it, you know what the most valuable thing you could give to somebody is prayer. You can petition heaven for somebody. You could speak their name before the very throne of God because you're an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Because your high priest will take the name that you offer to him and he'll present it to the Father. And you will ask God. So, so the guy that wanted two bucks, give him the two bucks, but then pray for him because that, that prayer is more valued eternally than the two bucks you gave him. Be generous in what you're giving people. So those three principles, what you sow, you reap. Secondly, be cheerful in your giving. Let that joy abound out of your heart because God will bring an abundance of his grace to you. Now, how does this happen? How, what is the execution of it? He goes on in verse 11 and he says this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. There's a reciprocity here. He's saying, where do you get seed from? It's from nature. It's from God. God created it. You take the seed. Now, you've got to put some work into this. Put some effort into it. You put it into the ground. That one seed will grow into something you can make bread to eat from. And not only will you have bread to eat from, it will produce more seed to increase your crops. This is the economy of blessing. God is enriching that. If you will begin to live a life of sowing and reaping into people generously with a wealth of generosity out of your heart, not your situation, not just your pocketbook, but out of the Spirit, you'll bless. And he goes on to say this, you will be enriched 
in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Here's the, here's the basics of it, okay? I'm going to break it down so that you begin to see it. He says, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Let me help you understand this. All right. Someone's got a need. God has blessed me. As God has blessed me, I give that to somebody else. By me giving something to somebody else with my generosity because God's been so good to me, I give it to somebody else. What the result is, is that person thanks God. I have just helped support worship to God. What I have done has not only met their need, but then they thank God for it. And then he goes on to say, as they thank God for it, they will pray for you. You see the circle here? So if they're praying for me to God, to bless me, what's God going to do? Bless me so that I can help someone else bless them, which will cause them to bless God and pray for me, which will bring back blessing on me. So I want to walk in this perpetual economy of blessing. And so that's what he's talking about. By their approval of your service, it will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution for others. While they long for you, they will pray for you because of the surpassing grace upon you. Perfect. I am being blessed right now because many people have prayed for me. And God is blessing me with good health and, and finance and, and a good spirit and a good heart. He's pouring into me. I'm blessed. And with that, I want to give to you. I'm blessing to you. If I, you need something, here, I've got whatever I got you can have. I'll give you my time. I'll give you my encouragement. I'll speak into your life. And that person who's been waiting for a blessing then turns and says, thank you, God. I've been blessed. So it goes to blessing to God. And as they're blessing God, they're saying, God blessed him. He blessed me. Bless him. God says, Tim, here's a blessing. Praise God. Thank God. I can give it to somebody else. Do you see how this thing can flow? Can you see how where there are a group of Christians around, there shouldn't be any needs for anybody? Because we're blessing, and what happens with blessing is praise and thanks to God. We sang that song tonight. Thanks, thanks. I give you thanks for all that you have done. I am so blessed. Right? And so in that blessing, I give. Because a heart of generosity of God came into me. I give it to somebody else. They praise God for it. And then they want to bless me by praying to God for me. That's it. So that's what Jesus meant. I conclude with this. Gospel of Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I'm not talking about getting your money back from God. 
putting 100 bucks in the offering because you need 1,000. And you're just going to bank on God's generosity. You're going to play Christian gambling. Come on. I'm not talking about that. God would much rather heal your brokenness. God would much rather pour love into you, joy, peace, gentleness, something of his spirit than giving you a thousand bucks. God does minister by money. I Believe me, I understand that. But please don't get caught up in this foolishness of money. What he's saying is that if you will enter into a life of blessing, that this reciprocity and this blessing, because I am pouring out to you, you pour out to somebody else, they will thank me and they'll pray for you, which will come back into your lap, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Because of how you have given, it will be given back to you. That is a lifestyle of blessing. Please, everybody, as I close, would you please put your hands out before me? Put your hands out. Right? Close them like a fist. All right? Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that our hands will not be closed to those around us. They will not be closed to the needs of all that we come into. Now open your hands, everybody. Father, in Jesus' name, I open my hands to release blessing that comes to me through the merits of Christ, that comes to me because others have prayed, that as my hands are open, I open them to bless others, to care for others, to give to others. So that they will then, with open hands, receive and praise you for your goodness. And I pray for the people watching and listening to this, that Lord God, as they enter in the economy of blessing, they will begin to move in a wealth of generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.